0: Welcome to the Family Worship Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy the following message from Pastor Ray Kirkland. I need you to just kind of put on your thinking caps a little bit. It's a little bit uh, uh, in depth. It's not that deep, but a little bit in the beginning. But I want to walk you into something. I want to show you something that I hope you'll uh, take as part of your spirit and part of your life. And I want to talk about how to enter in to His rest, and by doing so, entering into His provision. You know, people will ask me sometimes, Pastor, what, what is holiness? I mean, is holiness, you know, wearing a dress down to your knee? Is it not, uh, you know, wh- is it wearing a bun on your head? Is it carrying a big Bible? What, I- what is holiness? And so, you know, people really wonder, does that mean you don't smoke, you don't drink, cuss, or go out with girls that do? What is that? You know, and so... So I I, I looked up the word holy just to start this. And in the Greek, it's the word hagaios, hagaios. I know that you don't really care about Greek, but just listen for a moment. And in the Hebrew, it's kadesh, kadesh. It really means simply a person or a place or thing that's set apart unto God. So the truth is when holiness enters you, Jesus enters you, you begin to set yourself apart Unto God, unto service to God. Now, keep that in your mind. Holiness is setting yourself apart to God. Now, there's another thing I want to teach you that many of you already know. And it's in the Word of God. It's called the Law of First Mention. The Law of First Mention. So the first time anything is mentioned in Scripture, chronologically. Your Bible is not actually in chronological order. Some of the first writings of the Bible were actually in the book of Job. But, but if, you, if you get a chronological Bible and you follow chronologically and you find the first time something is mentioned in Scripture, there's always something very significant about that moment. God has introduced something from heaven to earth. He is trying to reveal something. There's a revelation. Every time it's the first time there's a revelation. That goes for any subject you ever study. If you're studying the subject of marriage or the subject of a husband or wife, first time it's mentioned, there's something very significant, there's revelation in that, and the truth is most first mentions are found in your Bible in the book of Genesis. Some are not, but most are. The first mention, wherever God first mentions something, gives us an understanding how to interpret that word or that idea or that concept throughout the rest of the Bible, So I looked up, where is the first time holy mentioned in the Bible? Again, it's in Genesis. Let me read the passage as we build into it. Genesis 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested. Everybody say, he rested. God does not rest because he's tired. God is not tired. How many of you know God does not get tired? His muscles don't get weary like yours or mine. His his ankles don't get sprained. God does not get tired, okay? But God rested because His work was finished. Because His work was finished. And it says, And He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. It's done. It's finished. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. That word sanctified is the first mention of holy. That's the same word, Kadesh. Kadesh is what we understood earlier to mean holy. It says, and then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. So I want you to notice, the first time holy is mentioned, it has to do with rest. Rest is the condition of, of holiness rest is the condition of holiness rest is the result of god's favor upon something that he has finished okay that is the result of his favor upon it now there's another word i want to pick up just for a moment it's another first mention and it's the first time the word grace is mentioned again it's found in the book of genesis and again it's something very significant Here's what it says in Genesis 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Of all the people on the earth, Noah found grace. Noah found grace. So I was studying that and looking at that. That's the first mention of grace. What was the revelation? I'm trying to think, what is the revelation here, Lord? What are you you saying Noah found grace? What's, What's the big deal there? Well, then I started to break it down a little bit. Noah, the name means rest. It means rest. In other words, rest finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. Rest finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the more you're at rest, the more you're at rest, the more God's grace comes upon you. Are you learning something? So grace is God's ability To do in you and through you what you could not do for yourself. For example, I could not save myself. It was by God's grace. Amen. I had to rest in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for me. And when he died on the cross, he took my sins upon himself. He took them into the grave and buried them and rose a new man. Somebody say amen. And so the more I can rest in that fact, rest in that, the grace of that comes upon my life. So today as we talk about the word works, or the word labor, I'm not talking about work like going to your job. I'm not talking about labor like you're laboring for the Lord to have a ministry of excellence, which we, we want to have excellence, and we want to go to our work, we want to have a job, amen. Amen. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about physical labor. I'm not talking about performing ministry with excellence. I'm not speaking any of, the, any of those things. I'm talking about an, an internal striving. Something on the inside where you try to do something to earn a blessing. Where you're trying to do something. You're trying to make yourself Worthy. You're trying to make yourself in right alignment with God so the stars and the moons and the planets will all align and somehow you will finally be blessed. Somebody say amen or ouch. The Christian has to learn how to do things without the spirit of labor. You have to learn how to do things in rest. There's a bit, I want, I want you to understand, rest does not mean don't work, rest does not mean don't have excellence, what does rest mean? So let's read Hebrews 4 verse 9, can I have just a pinch of monitor? There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also, what's this word, ceased from his works as God did from his. Everybody say ceased. Say it again. There's a rest for you, but you have to cease from your works just like God ceased from His. Now, why did God cease from His works? How many remember? I just told you. It was done. You don't have to keep working if it's done, right? So He, he rested, He ceased from His works because it was finished. So He's saying to us, if you can come to the same attitude, That everything has already been finished. That whatever you do, when you do it, you know that it's already a finished work in Christ. Okay. We don't work for the victory. How many of you know the victory's already been won? The victory's already been won. We're not working for victory. We're working from victory. Everything we do, we must somehow take on the Spirit and the understanding that it's already done and there's a touch of heaven on what we do. The only labor that a Christian is supposed to be doing, there's only one place that we're supposed to labor, and it's found in Hebrews 4 verse 11, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. It's the only time you're called to labor, to enter into that rest. So here's your homework assignment this week. You're going to go home and learn how to enter into his rest. Enter into his rest. Enter into knowing that you have been set aside... You've been sanctified, you've been set aside, and God's favor has rested upon you. And everything you do has already been completed in heaven and through Christ. And you're operating in His favor because you stepped into His grace. Oh, now that's easier. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do sometimes because we've been trained all of our lives. We've got to pray more, study more, do this more, do that more. And we ought to do those things, but not for favor. Not to earn something. Not to try to get God to be appreciative of us or notice us or recognize us. When you do it from that place, you're suddenly doing it from a wrong place. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 4, God who is rich in mercy. Everybody say rich in mercy. That is such a powerful, he's rich in mercy. Mercy is, mercy means that you you didn't get something that you deserved. I had mercy. You should have went to prison, but God had mercy and let you get out of it. You should have been in hell, but God had mercy and didn't give you what you deserved. Aren't you glad he's rich in mercy? Amen. Aren't you glad he's not rich in I'm going to get you? He's rich in mercy. He gives you what you don't deserve. He, he gives you grace. He does things for you that you can't do for yourself because He loves you and He cares and He sees your plights and He knows the struggles you're going through. He's rich in mercy. He gives us a little grace and a little mercy. Amen. Ephesians 2 goes on to say, But God, I love those words, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when you're living like the devil, you, he, he, he loves you, he had mercy for you, and he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together. Not together like you and me or not together like, like you and your friend, but together in Christ. You have actually been, by, by his mercy, he puts you together with Christ And He raises you up in Christ. Amen. And He makes you to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, He makes me sit together with Jesus. Where are we sitting? In heavenly places. We sit with Jesus in heavenly places. Why? Because we're holy. Why are we holy? Because of Jesus. And how did we get there? Because we what? We rested. I'm making you learn today. I know it's a little tough. Watch what he says. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. In other words, here's what he's saying. In the ages to come. In other words, there's no end to this thing. It just keeps on and keeps on. There's no end to grace. His grace, His ability is going to come upon you to work through you to do things in you that you don't deserve and you can't merit. You don't deserve to have the gift of healing, but God's going to work in and through you to give you that. He's going to work in and through you to give you revelation. He's going to work in and through you to help you to see your family saved. It's not because you earn it. It's because of His grace. And this is good for all eternity. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to demonstrate my grace to you. I'm going to demonstrate my mercy to you. I'm rich in mercy. I love you. And I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to work in your life. And so you can rest in that fact. And you can be seated. When you sit down, you're done. Well, some of you aren't. Some of you just sit down. but (laughs) You're supposed to be finished when you sit down. Amen. You're demonstrating what? What is he saying? He's saying it's a finished work. In the Old Testament, the priests never sat down. Never. Study the Scriptures. The priests were not allowed to sit down during any of the sacrifices, revivals, feasts, or anything. They had to stand for seven days. They weren't allowed to sit down because the work was not finished. But Jesus, our high priest, sat down. Oh, amen. Amen. And you get to sit down with him because death, hell, and the grave have been conquered. He has triumphed over Satan. He's taken back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He has sat down. He sat down and now he's empowered. He's with dominion. He's enthroned. And he he says, and now you are seated with him. Oh, amen, somebody. you got to start to see yourself... As seated with Christ. Not as a struggling little Christian trying your best to make it that God would love you and that God might would hear your prayer. Amen. You have to learn to sit into it. It says this, Ephesians 1.20. Uh, when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Now notice where he's positioned. Far above all principalities. All powers, all might, and all dominions. And every name that is ever named, he's above all of them. Not only in this age, but in every age to come. Throughout all eternity. So where is Jesus? Far above. He's far above every disease. He's far above every curse. He's far above every lack. He's far above all poverty. He's far above every name that is named. He's far above cancer. He's far above heart disease. He's far above your circumstance. He's far above your husband and your wife. He's, Amen. He's far above your, your financial struggles. Where is Satan? Far below. I taught you last week he's underneath the foot. Amen. That's where he's at. That's where he's at. And it says that he put all things, how many things? All things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now where are you? Seated with Christ. Say it with me. So you're in the same position. You're in the position of power far above. Far above all your circumstances. Far above all your troubles. Far above all your struggles, that's where you're at. You're in a position of empowerment. Why? Because the work is finished. The work is finished. We know, we know that Jesus paid for everything. How many of you know that? Do you guys know at the back? I'm not sure if they know about it. Oh, some, one person knows it. Okay. Provision has been made for you. He has taken care of everything. It's finished. He took care of your healing. When? When? 2,000 years ago. He took care of your, your 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 need for health 2,000 years ago. He took care of your, your need for provision financially and all of that stuff 2,000 years ago. But yet somehow today, as Christians, when we pray, we pray, oh God, please give us provision. Oh God, please heal us. And yet it's been done for 2,000 years. Now I'm trying to teach you something. So you're in a place where you're at dis-ease. You're not at ease. That's a dis-ease. It's against ease. It's against rest. You're not ceased. You haven't ceased working. You're still working to get God's favor and attention. It's finished. If it's finished, then why do we have a prayer chain? I want you to think. Why do we have prayer meetings if it's finished? Why even pray? If we pray, how should we pray? I'm making you. I want you to think. I'm not saying we're not going to. I want you to think. Why are we even doing this? So we have a young mother. Let's make up something here, and let's pretend that she's discovered she has breast cancer, and it's into the bone, and it's not good at all. How do we pray for her? How do we pray for this this young lady? If it's already finished, if it's ceased, how do we pray? Now we come to James. And in James it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And the prayer of faith. So what are we praying for? Faith. Everybody say faith. So when we pray for the mother with cancer, we're praying for faith. Faith to save the sick. What is the word "sick"? Sick is the word "camno." That's what the you break it down. Look it up in the original language. It's the word "cam." C a k a m n o. Camno kamno is the word. What does camno mean? To toil or to labor. To become weak from work. To be faint, weary, tired by implication of toiling. So we're praying for faith because she is toiling. She's working. She's trying to get God to notice that she's sick. And the more she prays for sickness, the more she toils. And the more she toils, the further away from rest she gets. I'm trying to help you. So our prayer should be that she can enter into rest. That she can have faith that it is a completed work. It is a paid-for work that Jesus has already done this work so that she can enter into peace because peace is an aggressive weapon. What can the devil do to you when you have peace? Jesus told the storm, Peace, be still, and it had to shut down. Peace is powerful. Rest is powerful. It means to rest, to have peace. That this young girl who's feeling the pain, feeling the stuff, hearing the reports of the doctor, she's struggling within her being now. She's scared. She might die. She has children. She has a husband. She's nervous. She's afraid. So when we pray, we pray rest, calm, peace. that that work, the healing that you need is finished because if she can't come to peace she can't enter the healing she will remain in her state of trouble because she can't enter the healing because she's at dis-ease she's disconnected from the grace that God has for her and the mercy He's given to her amen somebody where did God make us sit? Where are we sitting? At the right hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? Where is that at? In heavenly places. Are we far above? Are we far above? Where, are, are, where is the sickness? Far below. Where is the disease? Far below. Where are you? On top of it. The first thing the devil wants to do is tell you you're not on top of it. You're going down, baby. It's just a matter of time. The first thing the devil does whenever you start to get sick, somebody says that C word, cancer. Oh, my God. Instantly, no rest now you're praying, now you're up all night now you're feeling every little thing that moves in your body now all the pain is there constantly and the devil comes along and says there's not nothing you can do about this so you then try to go to God and say oh God please oh God please heal me he already did it 2,000 years ago now you have to enter into the healing the provision has been made the, amen. Are you listening to me? The provision is done. The reason we're not getting the provision is because we're not at rest. You have to cease your work. So the devil comes, and as soon as you start to get a little bit of peace in your mind, here comes another lie, like pain. Pain is a liar. It can be a real liar. Amen. Here comes uh, uh, the, the bills from the doctor, which can be very high. And it says you better do something about this. You better do something about this. So what do you do? What should you do when you feel the pain? Right? Am I making you guys nervous today? You stay seated. Don't stand up and take it into your own hands. Stay seated spiritually. I'm not saying we don't go to doctors. I thank God for doctors. I thank God for medicine. I thank God for all that stuff. But all I need is for that stuff to keep me going until I can find peace. My healing is in the rest of what He has done for me. That's where my healing is at. And until I can get into rest, I can't get to it. It's like trying to draw, withdraw money from the bank, but I'm out hunting for a deer. You've got to be at the bank to withdraw money. Or you've got to get online or something. you got to connect with the bank. Well, you got to connect with the provision. Amen. You cannot connect if you're at... Not at rest if you're not there. So so you're having a marital problem. You're having problems with your children. You're having problems with your finance. The the, the devil wants you to stand up and take control of it yourself. Because my God, your God ain't going to help you. So you better do it yourself. You better stand up and work on this. But if you'll stay seated, you're in right standing with him. If you stand up on your own, you're on your own. But if you'll stay seated, you're in right standing righteousness with Christ. So now I call his bluff. I sit down. I feel the pain. I've got some things I'm dealing with in my own physical body even this moment. I feel the pain. I understand what's going on. So what my, my labor is is to enter into rest. If I can get into rest, I'll experience the healing. If I don't, I need to go to the doctor as soon as I can. Not sinful, not ugly. I'm not beating anybody up. I'm not trying to tear you down. We sometimes just need to go to the doctor. Because, but if we can learn to enter into rest, we can walk where the works are ceased because it's a finished work and we can enter into His healing. Is this making sense? So by faith, you sit down. You enter into God's rest. You enter into His labors. You enter into faith that it is finished. Now, our flesh wants to earn it. Our flesh wants us to pray a little bit more. Our flesh wants us to give a little bit more in the offering. So does your pastor. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Let's just be honest. If we're going to be honest, let's be honest. But Jesus has paid for the whole thing. Is that right? I mean, if he doesn't keep the church alive, ain't nothing going to keep the church alive. Is that right? As long as I'm trying to keep it alive, it's just built on me, and I'll fail. But if he's building it, it'll work. Is that right? Same thing with healing. As long as I'm doing it, it's going to finally give up. But if he does it, it's done deal. So I've got to be able to enter into that. Do you know how God defines evil? How does God define the word evil? Hebrews 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you in you any. in any, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now that word evil right there, again we're doing a little study today, is poneros. Poneros in the Greek. So if I ask you to define evil, you would probably say something, it's, it's wickedness. It's bad. It's bad things. It's bad motives. Bad conditions. Bad bad nature. It's, a, it's, a, it's wickedness. And that is a subcategory of Paneros. But let me give you the real definition, the first foremost definition of that word Paneros. Here's what it is. To be full of labor, to toil, to be pressed down, to be harassed by your work. So here's what God says is evil. The more you work on something, the more you press into something, the more you labor for it, the more evil it becomes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So dis-ease. What is a dis-ease? It's to to be away from ease. You're laboring to enter into something. You're pressing to get in. It's a sickness. He calls it sick. It's the same thing. It's it's, It's a cousin word. So God says an evil heart is a heart that's full of labor, always trying to make things right, always trying to be good enough, always trying to be worthy. Oh, God, what do I need to do, God? Tell me I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll do it, God, just tell me. That's an evil heart. Ouch. Ouch. Because you're trying to do something to be good enough, and Jesus made you good enough. Jesus made you good enough. You don't get good enough by your behavior, you get good enough by His behavior. As long as it's based on your behavior, we're in trouble because I've seen you guys in the lobby. I watch the way you eat. It's very sinful. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'm moving on. So that leads me as I labor and I push into something, it leads me into something bad. It leads me into a condition that's not worthy. And it leads me into that second definition. Listen, I want to shift subjects just for a minute. Let's talk about old Job. Job in the Bible. Job 3 verse 25 says, For the thing I greatly feared it has come upon me and what I dreaded oh I dreaded it but I knew it was coming it has happened to me I am not at ease nor am I quiet I have no rest there's trouble all around lions and tigers and bears and things I knew she was going to leave me I just knew it oh I just knew that, that job wasn't going to last forever I just knew it Uh-huh. Fear is born out of unrest. No rest, no ease, no quiet, lots of trouble. Fear begins to brood. And there's three words, and I'm not going to go into all that today, but there's three different Hebrew words that all mean the same thing. Unrest. There's no rest. And so God is trying to drive something home to us today in this church. That we will learn how to enter in to His rest. We will cease our works because He has ceased His works. We will accept His mercy and His grace because we can't do it on our own. Amen. Job entered into unrest. The very thing he feared had come upon him. He was agitated. He was worried. Now let me tell you, what was it that Job feared? Why was Job always so upset? Why was he always so turmoil? Can I tell you something? It's shocking the reason why. He entered into unrest doing spiritual things. He was doing spiritual He was a good, good, good follower at FWC. The Bible says that he would get up every morning, every morning. He didn't miss a morning and pray for his kids. Every morning he would do burnt offerings for his children. Let me read it to you. Job 1, five. And it was so, when the days of the feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified, there's that word again, rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Talking about his children. And Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned. Maybe they've cursed God in their hearts. So thus Job did continually. All the time praying and praying and praying for his kids. Does that sound like Job's at ease? Does that sound like Job is quiet within his spirit that God's got it under control? Does it sound like Job's at rest? Well, because he wasn't, fear came on him. He was sure them boys were screwing it up. Man, I know my, get, my kid, I looked at his eye the other day, and he had a devil in there. It was a devil looking back. <laughs> and he was worried about it. And he prayed. Am I saying don't pray for kids? I'm not. I'm saying that you pray that you can enter into rest, and they can enter into rest. The prayer is for faith. Faith. You're praying for your children to have faith that they can enter into what God has done for them if they don't have faith to enter into what God's done for them, you're not going to get it in them. So I pray, first of all, for my rest. God, help me believe that you are working in my kids' behalf. God, help me believe that you are working in my children's behalf. If I don't do that, then I'm going to get into fear. I'm going to be afraid. Oh, man, Jesus, don't come back. Don't come back, Lord. My boy won't make it. You know I watch people all the time. I'm a pastor, so I get to I get to look at all of you. And I watch communion services. You know a lot of people take communion or won't take communion cuz they're afraid if I take it unworthily. We have so misinterpreted that scripture that we're afraid to even take communion out of fear. Now others are the exact opposite. Oh my god, can I have two can I have two cups? I'm desperate, man. I'm a wicked, wicked man. You just don't know who I am. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who he is. We're still focused on you instead of him. Somebody say amen. So people come to the altar all the time. And, I'm, and we need to come to the altar. We need to, folks, you need to learn. If you haven't been to the altar for six months, you ought to come. This is, there's something about just surrendering to him. Just saying, God, you're the one, not me. If you can stand back there on your own strength, you're in trouble. Standing on your own strength will get you in trouble. Coming and resting in Him will lift you to a new place. Amen. Fall in love with an altar. But I watch other people come to the altar, and it's desperation. Oh, God, you got to do something. He's already done something. It's already done. The entire time you're weeping and begging God to do it, the covenant has been flowing. You're already righteous in his standings. When I was a kid, there was this guy, I won't say the name we used to call him, but he was the groundskeeper at the junior high school where I was attending school. He was an old guy, and we tormented him to death. Because back in those days, we didn't have sprinkler systems. He had about a 200-foot hose, and he had to water every plant around that school. Well, all we would do is wait wait till he was way out there. Step on the hose. He'd turn around. You kitty! He'd be yelling. We'd step on the hose until he came back. We'd let it go and run away. We did it every lunch break. We tormented that. Oak. I don't even know why he even tried to water at lunch break. He should have done it during the school hours. But anyway, we'd step on that hose and we'd shut that water supply off. And, and, and it would stop the whole process. And that's exactly what the devil does to some of us. And so we start yelling, oh, God, oh, God, the supply's cut off. The supply are not cut off. You can't stop God's supply. If the devil's tormenting you, send an angel after him. Pray, ask God to, to, to release faith in you that you can rest. And the Bible says He has ministering spirits that'll work on your behalf. So what the Bible says is that what your Bible says in Hebrews. You got to learn to to function for di- what church has taught us is that we somehow have to do it all. We don't have to do it all. He did it all. We have to rest. We have to labor to enter into ease. And and, and I'm not just saying kick back, but an ease. Let me me step you forward. i got to kind of hurry. Philippians 4. Be anxious for what? Because the paycheck didn't come in. That's why I'm telling you right now. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Thanksgiving. Why would you be thankful? Because you know the work's done. Let your request be made known to God. And what? Guess what? The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your little peanut heart. And your itty bitty little raisin brain through Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome, folks? Now watch this. Matthew 6:28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil. That's that same word, sin. That's that same word, sickness. That's that same word right there. They don't do all of that stuff. Okay? They, uh, they don't spend. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is... And tomorrow Jared cuts it down and is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of what? Little faith. See, that prayer is for faith. Therefore don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knows. He took care of all that. He knows all these things. So you seek first. The kingdom of God and his standing. Uh, Come on somebody, talk to me. And all these things will be added to you. So am I saying to you today, don't be responsible? No. The fact is he's telling you to be more responsible. But your responsibility is to enter into rest. Enter into peace. Enter into, quit worrying about it. Enter into knowing that God has finished the work. When you rest, the supply flows. When you pray, yes, we should pray. Yes, we should supplicate before God. But make sure your prayer is filled with rest. Make sure it's filled with peace. Make sure it's filled with confidence in who your God is. When you give, and yes, you should give. Yes, you should give. Your God is a giver. Part of our nature. Is that right? Somebody say amen. Say the preacher's getting good right now. Make sure you do it in rest. Don't give in toil. Oh, God, please make this grow. This is my last dollar. God's heart breaks for you because you've got that attitude. That's the wrong attitude. You plant out of rest. You plant out of, of, of confidence. When you relate to other people, you relate out of a rest. So I'm not so worried about somebody being on my platform that's drinking or smoking. I, I hope they don't because I know it's not healthy for their spirit. Right? But I'm not going to be, oh my God, somebody up here is a sinner. I can feel it in the spirit and it's going to ruin the flow of the Holy Ghost. Really? Your Holy Ghost is that sensitive? Really? You can't walk into a dark place and the Holy Ghost leaves you? Really? Really? That's what you've been taught. Oh, somebody's ruining the flow. You can ruin God's flow? What? What are you talking about? Where did you get that doctrine? Show it to me in the Scriptures. I challenge you. Show it to me in the Bible. You've got a false doctrine. You're believing that Christ hasn't finished the work. You're not in rest. You're in a disease. So everything has to be, where's the reverence? Where is the... Oh, so you're so upset. You're so at dis-ease you can't enter in. What are you, how are you going to reach a sinner? Do they have to be perfect before you can reach them? Do they have to walk upright and be absolutely perfect? they have to do everything your way and carry the King James Bible only? The one that Jesus read? <laughs> Otherwise you can't reach them because, my God, you're upsetting your spirit. And your spirit can't enter in? My friend, listen to me. We're called to go into the depths of hell and see people saved. We're not worried about the, 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 all that behavioral stuff. That behavioral stuff, will it, it'll fix itself if they figure out who they are. If they figure out who Christ is in them, they'll start to behave right. Until they do, they're not going to behave right. So if we run them off, what good does that do anybody? Right? The only reason I take people on or off of a stage is for their spiritual growth, not mine, and not our comfort. That's like a hospital. Oh, you're sick, you can't come in here. Nope, nope, I'm sorry. I know you have a heart condition, this is a cardiac wing, but until you get that heart together, you're not getting in here. That's what the church does. Well, until you get it together, you're not getting up there, bless God. You're not going to put that off on us, bless God. We ain't have nobody dying here. Think about it, folks. Think about what we're doing here. Are you guys listening to me? I hope I'm making you nervous. I want to shake that religion out of you. You've got to come to a place of ease, a place of rest, knowing that God is in control. And the reason we want to see people up here and we want to work with people, we want to see their giftings develop, amen, is because it's good for their souls and their spirits. Amen. I'm not worried if it's good for mine. I'm worried if it's good for theirs. Amen. It means everything's not going to be perfect. If it was perfect, none of us would be in here. We would all have to go home. I guarantee if I push your button just hard enough, we'll find that little demon that hides out of up in there too. It's, oh yeah, it ain't hard to find it. You probably got it going right now. I preach, I'll never come back to this church. And all I've done is preach to you about how to enter into rest. Well, I ain't got no rest. I'm flat out mad at you. That's the devil right there speaking right there. That, that's a the devil. I'm giving you scriptures today. I'm not condoning sin. I'm not condoning unrighteousness. I'm not. I'm empowering the fact that God can work in a person's life. God cares. God loves them. They're not perfect. Neither are you. Neither am I. We're all in a journey together. Is that right? We're all growing together, one stage or another. And when you finally get past the the chapter you're in, guess what? You'll be in another chapter. How long? Till the end of the ages. So what it says. You're going to have to have his grace till the end of the ages. Yeah. Even when you get to heaven, you're going to have to have his grace. It says till the end of the ages. You're going to have to have his mercy or they kick you out. Amen. Somebody you're not getting to heaven because you're so good. You're getting to heaven because he's good. And you're going to have to rest in that fact. You're going to have to sit down and be enthroned and empowered in that fact. Or when you pray for the little girl that's got cancer, she's not going to enter into rest because you're not in rest. You're still over here trying to pray this perfect prayer. Oh, God! Every cell in the name of Jesus! I'm not mocking. I'm trying to help you understand. You're working. And I'm not saying we don't pray with fervency. I'm not saying we don't pray with power. I'm not saying we don't take charge of the atmosphere. But the reason we're taking charge of the atmosphere is not for the devil's sake he's defeated. It's not for the Lord's sake he's above. It's for the environment of the room so the girl can feel faith come in her heart. I take charge in the atmosphere, either soft or loud, depending on the person I'm praying for. What my goal is is that their faith would rise... So the toil that's in their soul will go away. So they can enter into peace and boom, they'll step into his healing. Until I can get that to happen, we can pray all day long. We can sing power in the blood. We can sing how great thou art. We can bring the choir in. We can have everybody come. When the Children can pray. The old people can pray. And they won't get healed. It's peace that brings healing. I've stood in front of crusades of tens of thousands. Thousands of people that have never heard the gospel. And what? how come they get miracles? Because they enter into peace. They believe the little white preacher up there. They believe him. Wow. You mean Jesus will do that for us? And I tell them, yes, he will. And they say, okay. And boom, they're healed. They just step in, life. they just step in. But us, we have to earn it. We have to pull, please come to the altar. Altars are open, come on. Come on, please come. We're begging you, toiling. And we wonder why there's no healing. Are you listening to me today? I'm meddling now, so i got to stop. I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to stop right there. In a moment, we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray that God will give us a life of rest a life of rest we're going to pray that God will give us an aggressive peace an aggressive rest I can be aggressive against disease against curses against lack because I know it's a finished done job now the devil will try to agitate us Stir up things to try to show us that it's not done. Stir up trouble. There's always a fight. That's why we labor into rest. That's why we labor to enter into rest. While your heads are bowed, just listen. Just listen to these words. This is Hebrews 11, 4, verse 11. I want to read the amplified version. Just listen to this. Let us, therefore, be zealous. Exert ourselves... Strive diligently to enter in to that rest. The rest of God. To know and to experience that rest for ourselves. That no one may fail or perish by some kind of unbelief or disobedience into which those in the wilderness fell. In other words, they, they tried so hard And they just walked circles because they were trying. And he's saying, if you will press into the fact that God did it and experience that, if you can press into that, all the rest of that wilderness stuff will go away. and you'll enter into the promise, the promise of your healing, your prosperity, your business to turn around, your children to turn around. So we pray from rest. It's not we don't pray for our kids. I pray for my kids daily. But I pray from a position of rest. I decree what they are. In spite of what's happening, I decree they are this. Because it's a finished work. I speak it because it's a finished work. I don't have to try to make it up. It's already done. And I just speak what's done. I know the world tries to say it's not done, circumstances try to say it's not done, but God says it's done. So I have to choose whom whom shall I believe. What report will you believe? What report? Will you get all infected? Will you get all disarranged or will you enter in? Now, Let's stand together. Please, no one leaving. Let's just stand together for a moment. We're going to pray those prayers. That our lives will be changed. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, you just pray with me. Just listen and just agree. We ask you to let us live a life filled with your rest when circumstances come that want us to toil when the storms of life come that want us to row as fast as we can when all those things happen to us that we will enter into your rest we'll have confidence in what you've done we'll know that it's your mercy that we're even here and we'll know it's by your grace working through us that you're going to do all of these things So when we labor, we will labor to enter into your rest. We will work excellent out of our rest. Our ministries will be excellent out of your rest. Our families, our love life, our intimacy, our homes will be excellent out of your rest. We know that you have your hand upon our children, so we enter into that rest that you love our children more than we love our children and that you have a design and a plan that's been there from before the foundations of the earth so we enter into your rest. We're aggressive in our prayer for faith. Faith that will overcome the toils and the sickness and the labors and the work. Faith that will overcome all of that so that we can be at rest and enter into your work, what you've done. Come on, just pray that way yourself. Just pray for a moment for yourself. Pray, God help me enter into it. Just pray it in your own words. Pray it in your own words. me say this, I want to get real real with you just for a moment and then we're going to let you go. I'm barely able to stand up here because when I was going through chemotherapy and different things, they used an experimental drug on me that had a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? No, that's not the word. Um, it's, it had an antibiotic in it. The doctor here in town, very, very, very good doctor, recommended highly by everybody, told me about this antibiotic, which I already knew, that antibiotic attacks the ligaments of your body. So they no longer use that, but it has destroyed my ligaments. So I'll, my right leg has already snapped a while back. I had to have surgery. Now my left leg, my tendon is about to come undone. So the doctor's telling me before it snaps, let's just plan a surgery in a controlled environment. Let's go ahead and cut that and redevelop it and put it all together. Now, what do I do? What do I do? Do I believe that Jesus healed the lame? Do I believe that? Yes, I believe that. So what do I do? I'm hearing all the reports and every step I take, I feel the pain. I can feel, I can see the lump coming out the back. I know that it's actually happening. So what's my challenge? Rest. I've got to enter into it. Now, if I don't enter into it in time, it's gonna snap right let's come can we be real can we be real so now i have a choice i have a choice do i go and let him just in a controlled environment take care of it or do i let it rip and then he takes care of it what do i do i'm asking you counsel me i've come to you for counsel what do i do just believe god till it snaps then it takes a long time to heal and it never recovers or do i let him do it in a controlled environment and take care of it what do i do see here's here's where the christian challenge is because we want to believe in healing but yet we're just not sure so the challenge really is to be at ease with god so what i have to do it's not about the surgery it's not about the leg it's about my relationship with him i got healed from my cancer when i got connected in peace If I hadn't got connected in peace in time, the cancer would have killed me. So I have to choose, is going to the surgery going to disconnect me, make me feel strange with my God, or am I going to be okay with that? The challenge is not the leg, the challenge is my relationship. I have to be at peace with whatever I do. I have to be at rest with whatever I do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have to be at rest. If I'm at rest with that then it's okay but I have to be at rest I can't force it I can't make it if it so I have to be at rest so here's what I'll do just so you'll know I'll give it a few weeks to see what God does I'll try to enter into rest I'll try to stay in that place if God heals it praise you Jesus if he doesn't I'll schedule a surgery and if the surgery gets here and it and God hasn't healed it I'll go through the surgery will I feel condemned not at all will I feel wise yes because I don't want to hurt come on somebody it's not it's not weirdo stuff we're not trying to be super spiritual we're trying to walk in this life with god and stay connected i have to be at rest i have to be at peace that's more important i can't go in there feeling all dis- in d- dysfunction i'll come out in the worst way than i went in amen i'm only using this to tell you to help you because some of you are going to face things and it's not evil to go to the doctors But the the uh, the idea is to come into rest, to walk in that place. And if you can walk in that, God can bring healing. The Bible said that Moses, when he passed, his eyes were not dim; he could still see good, he could still hear good, he still had strength. That's the way I'd like to go, but that may not be my plight. Whatever my plight is, I gotta walk in rest. I gotta walk in rest. I gotta know it's a finished work. I can never challenge that. I can never challenge it, even though it may not manifest the way I think it should manifest. I cannot challenge the fact that he finished it. I have to stay at rest with he finished it. Amen. Not everybody lives forever. Have you have you noticed that? You can't challenge the fact that he's an eternal God and that he's in charge of life. So, Father, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for everyone in here. We pray for Dr. England this morning for... All of those that are in the hospital, the West family, Sue, Wyatt, God, all of these that are ill in their bodies, faith to rise in their spirits, faith to rise in their hearts, to lift them so that they're at ease and at peace with where they're at, their station, their journey, that they know that their God is a good God, and you can't exaggerate His goodness, and He works on their behalf, and He loves them, and He cares about their family and their legacy. Let that be their portion. I pray for everyone in here that's struggling financially, that prosperity would begin to manifest itself in their life. Let us walk into peace in our giving. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Family Worship Center. If our weekly sermons minister to you, consider partnering with us or giving a one-time donation. To give, visit cogfwc.org. giving Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more. By following us on Twitter and Facebook.